So we look to really take down that stigma and provide a space where men with ADHD can really feel understood. And it's done so in a way where you can be a part of our community. What's up, team? Welcome to the ADHD Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm an ADHD professional who has been working in the field for over 10 years. I'm the creator of The Wall of Awful, I'm on the organizing committee for the International Conference on ADHD, and I'm a board member of the Men's ADHD Support Group. Before we jump into today's episode, registration is open for the latest round of the ADHD Essentials Parenting Groups. These groups are built to improve the cooperation and relationships between parent and child, and to reduce the overall anxiety in the home. Over the past five years, I've helped hundreds of parents address the challenges they face as a result of ADHD and anxiety, and I'm sure I can help you too. But don't take my word for it. Here's past attendee Troy sharing some of his experience. I actually woke up thinking about this, and and I just have to say that... um, I think that the, the, the feel and the air and, and the, just the whole vibe in our house has changed. Every time we finish one of these sessions, it's almost like I feel closer to my kid. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's not uh, even there. Right. And I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. And it's like, I always want to just, just want to go and, and, and hug them after we finish these sessions. Um, I also feel that you have given me permission um, to just like, chill out a little bit with being uh, with being a parent um, and just give him space and give him room just be a little bit more accepting. And so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I also I'm just sort of like in in awe of just uh, how wonderful uh, a father he must be. And that certainly has an impact on me. Again, just uh, I, I really, really enjoy these sessions, and I get a lot out of out of them for sure. Check the link in the show notes for more information about these groups, or email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com to set up a free information call. That's B-R-E-N-D-A-N at A-D-H-D-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S dot com. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we talk to Mark Almodovar and Christian Moten of the Men's ADHD Support Group. Mark and Christian discuss the reason they started the Men's ADHD Support Group and the needs they're meeting with it. They talk about the shame that ADHD and similar mental health struggles can create for men, how the cultural resistance of male vulnerability both impedes healing and leads to anger, the power of self-talk, the importance of community, and their goals for the men's ADHD support group. All right, let's get rolling. My name is Mark Amadovar. I'm a coach, speaker, and when I look at my work within the past few years in the ADHD community and what I'm here to do, I look at myself as a community builder. I am the founder and president of a nonprofit organization. We are called Men's ADHD Support. We seek to inspire, educate, and empower men with ADHD, really helping them be the best, their best selves in a way that's highly accessible through community, 
meetups, Zoom meetups, in, in person, body doubling, quite a lot of things. And we have a lot of fun just helping men with ADHD know that they are not alone. Christian, go ahead. You too. My name is Christian Moten. I wear a lot of hats, um, but I do a lot of work in advocacy um, and educational advocacy, nonprofit curriculum development and professional development. And as far as the uh, the pieces of there, so I'm the organizational manager. So I work alongside Mark, uh, John and Shane and some of the guys to really make some of these pieces uh, live as an organization, as opposed to an idea. And we've just been making these next steps and we're excited to talk about that. Before we talk about where you guys are headed, I came across the men's ADHD support group on Facebook and it's the only men's ADHD support group that I stayed with. It's also the only men's support group in general because I've tried father groups and stuff that I stuck with because all of the other ones that I found, I don't want a blanket statement, all of the other ones, but all of the ones that I've found were pretty toxic. They were pretty awful places to try to find support in because there's that like, hey, this thing is hard for me. And then you get like the, oh, just be tough. That's kind of it. Or, hey, I'm having this conflict with my, usually my wife, and then just tearing apart that guy's wife. It's like, dude, you're not, you don't even know his wife. Like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Settle down. The fatherhood ones drove me bananas because I was like, you're not, none of you are trying to recognize your child as a person. You're just crushing their soul and trying to break them so that they do what you tell them to do and what you want them to do instead of letting them be who they are. And I have a story for that that we can play with later if it's useful. But that stuff, like I couldn't do it because I tried to be the lone voice of like compassion in those circles and no one wanted to hear from me. It drove me bananas because I was like, I'm literally an expert in this stuff. Like this is really my deal in a way that most things aren't. But okay, cool. Go be angry. Like have a nice day. And your group is nothing like that. Your group is supportive and kind and compassionate and empathetic built around managing that, like recognizing that that exists, that there's trauma, that there's hard things that we have to do. How do we do those things in a way that is positive and not just white knuckling it through um, and, and ways that are healthy? So I, I have nothing but good things to say about you guys. And that's a big chunk of why you're on. And now that I'm done, like shining you up, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about how you got here. So what, what kind of started this ball rolling? Three, four years ago, I decided I wanted to start making content for people with ADHD. I had a personal brand that was just motivational to the general public, but you know how there's that saying in marketing, when you're speaking to everyone, you're not really speaking to anyone. That was the case for me. So I was like, you know what? I got an inattentive ADHD diagnosis when I was 16. Let me talk a little bit about that and what my journey has been like. I had a lot of fun doing it made a lot of connections, some mutual friends, right, who do great work in the ADHD space. And as I really started to explore this community, I noticed that there wasn't a dedicated space for men with ADHD. At least I didn't know of one, not anything like this. So I was going for a walk and I was like, you know what? I think a cool idea would be to start a small little, at the time it was called ADHD Men's Support Group. Let me just try it out on Facebook, see how it goes. 30, 40 member group, really small, got some engagement, nothing really crazy, had a small little dinner table <laughs> type of feel to it. Then the pandemic hit. 
we skyrocketed and grew tremendously. We started welcoming in around 50 to 100 members every single week. And I came across another content creator. Uh, some of you may know him as ADHD John John, John Hazelwood. And we were we were chatting. We found out we had a lot of other things in common too. Like where he's also a huge Batman fan and he, he really appreciates Pharrell's music and all that type of stuff. So some of the best of friends. We were chatting one day and we were like, let's try something different. Let's try out a Zoom meeting, see how it goes. Same thing, started out small, ended up being big. Three, four years later, we've turned into the largest online community for men with ADHD. We just recently became a, a 5013 nonprofit organization. We look at ourselves as a community that's really taking down that awful stigma that men have when it comes to men's mental health. We have a wrong idea of what it means to be strong as men. We think of strength as if it's something where you have to pretend as if your emotions don't exist, right? As if you have to hear a comment that really bothered you and just get over it and be strong and all that nonsense, right? Or get angry and fight. Right. When really what helps us heal and there's time and spaces for this, right, is vulnerability. It is speaking out when you're having these issues. It's having a space to vent, like in Zoom meetings where everybody's nodding their heads saying, yeah, I forget my passwords all the time too. Or yeah, I, I really get annoyed when my wife does this, right? Like it's having that space where you can vent as opposed to bottling everything up and then it explodes and shows up as anger, all that type of stuff. So we look to really take down that stigma and provide a space where men with ADHD can really feel understood. And it's done so in a way where you can be a part of our community. No hate to other coaches who run Facebook groups and all that type of stuff. Like I get that y'all got to make your money. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tearing anyone like that down. But for our community, it's important that independent of your income, you have access to the value that we provide. And we we find so much fun doing it. And I know that it's most certainly my purpose in this community. It's what I love doing the most. And I hope I answered your question. <laughs> I think that you did. You you were looking to help people. And then you looked around and go, we're going, I'm too broad. I'm not really helping anybody because I'm not really talking to anybody because I'm talking to everybody. And then you went, I have this challenge around having ADHD. And supporting men with ADHD is not a thing that seems to exist. So I'm going to go and do that in a way that is direct and intentional. And that that's awesome, right? Like I, I'm finding that too. And it's a direction I'm probably going to head in. I've run online parent coaching groups and there's going to be some father specific coaching groups that are coming out in the not too distant future. Because I ran a workshop for Father's Day for Attitude Magazine. I've done, you know, like a handful of those sort of virtual workshop things for attitude. That's the one that I get the most comments from. A lot of men that I talk to are like, yeah, I attended that. And I really appreciate you saying things that needed to be said and connecting the pressures that are on men to the challenges of ADHD and what that looks like and how that plays into being a dad and trying to father your kid and all this stuff. My email got overwhelmed. I'm sure there's people I still haven't gotten back to because there were so many of them after that, after that summit. Um, so I hear you with that. That's a, 
that's a place where folks need support, where men specifically need support. I'm glad you're doing it. The idea is, is that is that a lot of men feel embarrassed to talk about these things. Like it's as if they have shame in having mental health struggles as a father. As It's as if they have shame to take a medication that will help them because they feel they're not disciplined enough and all that nonsense, right? When really it's no different than needing a pair of glasses to see better. This is the kind of thinking that we need to apply as men and what you said is so true. I mean, when we look at public spaces, you don't see us commenting as much. Like a, a little fun example here is if everyone opens up Instagram and searches up ADHD women, then searches up ADHD men, there's a significant difference in the engagement. The comments is like we feel shy talking about this type of stuff. But when there is a space in which we know we feel safe, we know we can be ourselves. And there's so much healing that comes from that. I like that you said when we look at the public space, right? Because male media, the public heroes that we're supposed to look up to, there's a lot of lack of emotion there. There's a lot of suck it up and keep moving forward and too bad. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if you're scared. It doesn't matter if you're hurt. It doesn't matter if you're feeling rejected or humiliated or belittled. You just have to keep moving forward. And on the one hand, yes, that's being a human. Like that's true. But the male lens on that is deny that any of that stuff is happening for you in order to move forward, as opposed to the healthier lens of process through some of that stuff. Like it's okay to be there for a minute in that humiliation or in that rejection and recognize why, why it's there and why you're feeling that way and what happened and then move forward. And I think we miss that part a lot of the time, that it's okay to process the emotional weight of whatever that thing is and the fact that you don't feel good about it and critically the fact that you feel vulnerable so that you can keep going. And I, I kind of think that's a big piece of what this conversation is going to look like is playing with that concept because it's a really important one to help men move forward and get the support that you're offering. Um, but before we go too deep, I want to make sure that I'm talking to Christian too because I haven't bothered him yet. So I just want to see where you are. <laughs> In our discussion, what we're talking about, right? We're talking about like this kind of like, kind of like general reframing of what it means to be a man and what masculinity means, right? So as as people, as as we've been conditioned, right, to uh, be these people who've been breadwinners, right? These like these like machines, right? How do you actually reframe that to be a whole person? Because at the other end of what that product is, is a person who may be hurting or a person who may not understand or have vocabulary for how they feel because we don't have like these, these things installed. So a lot of the work that I do in education is actually doing social learning, right? Socialization in those pieces, right? Boundaries, saying no, being kind, sharing. And these are things that we don't have forums for in the school setting and we also don't have forums for and and because of that we also don't have forums for that as we grow into adults we're just supposed to know so what happens um how do we create a space that allows people to be themselves where they can ask questions that may be seeming like oh that's obvious where no one is explaining that and who are the people or uh, how do we cultivate a space where people can connect those gaps and empower them? But before I even got here, most of my stuff has been as a participant <laughs> because I was also in the pandemic, right? So when the pandemic had started, they wanted me to work from home where my PS4 and my video, my PS4 and my bed was. And I just knew that wasn't going to go down. 
So because of the work that I've been doing, I was following a lot of people. I wasn't following Mark, but I was following Renee Brooks. Black Girl Lost Keys. Yeah, she's one of my best friends in the ADHD space. She's awesome. Huge fan. Love me some Renee. Her and Jessica, like those are the people who helped me like understand my stuff. So like there was no space for men at that point, right? So for me to be able to like, like participate and that was like great. So to be able to t- get tapped on to like help, I was like, me and and it's been and it's been great because we've been able to cultivate these spaces and use my expertise to kind of like cultivate those spaces as well and 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 that's kind of like the work that we want to do like everybody should be coming in and like how how do we support each other how do we create community um because everyone has value and i think if we can get more men to recognize that within that space i think we can have a lot better outcomes I agree. I think one of the challenges for men in the ADHD space specifically, right? I'm not talking emotions at the moment. I'll go back to that later if it's appropriate. I think one of the challenges in the ADHD space for men is the way that ADHD is framed professionally and in education. ADHD is framed as a boy's disorder. It's boys have ADHD. And just like that's a challenge for girls to get a diagnosis, it's also incredibly infantilizing for men to have ADHD because men don't have ADHD, boys have ADHD. So there's that sort of dynamic that exists. We're also looking at a generation of men who grew up before ADHD really became a thing that we were looking at. So they grew up without a diagnosis as a boy and now their kids are getting diagnosed and a lot of men are finding, oh, I have it too. And and as we move forward, that potential for infantilizing is, is going away because people are like, nah, adults get ADHD too. But even that, it's adults get ADHD, which doesn't quite erase the stereotype of the boy that's existed for so long. Totally. And another piece of this that is challenging is ADHD and ADHD diagnoses so often happen for kids. We're still in a culture where women are the primary caregivers in a family, which kind of inadvertently boxes dad out from an understanding of and an exposure to ADHD through their kids. Not always. Some men, their kid gets diagnosed and they're like, oh, that seems like that's me too. Cool. Let me check it out. But for a lot of men that I've interacted with, they end up in conflict with their kids because they see their kids struggling and it's bringing up their past trauma of their undiagnosed ADHD. And instead of being able to look at that in a healthy way, they end up struggling against it and sort of refusing or avoiding that diagnosis. Am I making sense? Totally. Yeah. Am I going way too deep, way too fast? I like too deep. <laughs> I, I love it here. I love it here. I love it in deep. Um, I hate it in shallow, to be honest with you. Um, the thing that that comes up for me when you're talking about that is kind of like Mark's um, analogy of the glasses, right? Uh, I'm wearing contacts now, but up until somebody told me I couldn't, like I couldn't see, I didn't know. I just want to say to be to be clear that that's a non-original concept for me. I want to be clear on that. But go ahead, Christian. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for that. No, it's a common one. It comes up all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I didn't know that I couldn't see uh, up until the point that I wore glasses. But could you imagine, like? How, how you process things, you know, now that I know that I can see, now I know that I can, you know, sit at any part. But if I didn't have those glasses for whatever reason, I might have to make accommodations for myself, like sit in front of the classroom or maybe take a little bit more time uh, to write things down or after school or whatever. 
But these these are men who live their entire lives not understanding how to accommodate the way that they maneuver through life in a different type of way than maybe women are, where you're socialized to move in the house in a different type of way, however you were raised, because that's the expectation. Boys don't have those expectations, but men do. So all of a sudden, these pieces that we didn't get at this point, now we have to get. And it's like, there was no institution to teach us this. There were no people to teach us this. And we got to have, we got to get it how we live, like most things, right? <laughs> but, but how do, how, how do you, how do you take care of a person like that, right? How do you, how do you, how do you do that? And then as, as, as parents, I can, I don't have any children. I'm proud uncle. Uh, but one of the things that, that I, I see um, that happens in the in the home space when we kind of like talk about those reintroductions is like it's good now that we're talking about psychology right it's good now that we're talking about therapy it's great now that we're talking about support because we can kind of like change these narratives within these families right without getting too much deeper in it I think one of the things about the group that's been so powerful is like that story happens so often right I didn't know that I had ADHD until my kid had ADHD right I didn't know until my my wife told me, right? Or my wife got diagnosed and then I had to realize, wait, this is how I maneuver. And it's because we're not supposed to have anything wrong. We're supposed to be okay. We're supposed to, you know, the group is really about being safe with not being okay. Thank all the moderators because those are the guys who like fight to make sure that that, that stays, right? Because it's so like, we will even, we can even, and not in those environments, rag on to other men who may be complaining, maybe like fussing, and it's real, like they're going through real life stuff. So that's what makes me think about that. Totally. Yeah. The concept we're dancing around, but we're not coming out and saying that I think is important to say is men are not allowed to be vulnerable culturally, right? And it's, it's just as much men as it is women that are not allowing men to be vulnerable. We're allowed to be damaged. We're not allowed to be vulnerable. And that means that when we feel vulnerable, which is almost every negative emotion, we have to do something about that because we're not allowed to be vulnerable. And what typically happens is we pivot to the only negative emotion that does not make us feel vulnerable, or at least lets us pretend we're not vulnerable. And that's anger because anger makes you feel vulnerable. Because I'm so angry and now I'm a threat to you. So it indicates that you're vulnerable or at the very least, I get to pretend that you're vulnerable because I'm going at you or I can go at me in anger too. That's allowed, but I can't sit and be sad or sit and be overwhelmed or humiliated or whatever. Because all of that stuff makes me look at my own vulnerability and it's silly because everybody's vulnerable. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. I don't care if you're nine or 90. All of us have moments of vulnerability that we have to be able to handle. And one of the things I love about your group is that it's a safe place for men to be vulnerable. And on top of that, too, there's there's perspective that we gain when we speak about things, especially to someone like a therapist or a good friend who might be looking at our situation from a non-biased point of view. So I really want to pitch this idea, right, of vulnerability, making space for it in your life, all that type of stuff, because you can learn and grow from it. Right. Like, for instance, one piece of content that I have that's really taking off right now is something that I learned from my therapist. Like for me, uh, one of the things that really stands out with ADHD is rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It's something that came up a lot with me in the past year and a half. One of the things that my therapist would mentor me on is 
reframing and thinking of rejection as something totally different. He wouldn't even let me use the word rejection. He would say, don't say rejection, say not the right fit. That perspective for me was outrageously helpful for me to continue going, continue to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. And it's not a perspective that I would have had had I just kept all of my struggles to myself and not vented about it to somebody who might be able to provide a perspective that I wasn't able to think of all on my own. It's like we have to have the healthy, positive accountability in our lives as men with ADHD. And it turns out that we are not robots. What made that reframe so useful? Eliminating the self-sabotage that comes along with rejection. And I realize I just used the word rejection again, by the way. So I'm, I'm breaking this habit myself, to be clear. I have not come on the other side all the way yet. I'm working on it. When I, when I think of the word rejection, I think of it as, in a romantic setting, I would think of it as my loss and her win. And there's a lot of self-sabotage that comes along with that. When I think about not the right fit, I think her win and my win. I think the businesses win, the business that didn't hire me, and then my win, because I have another business that I'm way more fit for. My friends, and I know you're big on this too, Brandon, how we speak about ourselves matters. For our group, it's really important that we are honest, we're practical, we fully recognize that ADHD undiagnosed and unmanaged is quite a struggle and that you can win and all that. But one of our, our group's purposes is to really think of ourselves in a positive light because we deserve that. And how we get there or part of how we get there is how we talk to ourselves. One thing that Brandon and I have in common is that two of our biggest pieces of content have to do with us forgetting about <laughs> something, quote unquote. My, my biggest piece of content is, is, is a post of, of me talking about how I, I stepped outside my house and I forgot my jacket. So I went back in to get my jacket. Then I realized I forgot my wallet, went back in. And then Brandon comes in and is like, no, you didn't forget it. You remembered. And that's just one of the many examples of how to positively reframe. And we seek to help men with ADHD build that confidence. That's what we're here for. I want to kind of pivot and talk about where you guys are headed. You've been a Facebook group. You mentioned that you were the ADHD men's support group. Now you're the men's ADHD support group. So I one, I want to know why'd you flip the first two words and then where are you guys headed? What are your next steps and kind of what are the, what are the long-term bigger picture stuff you're hoping to do? Well, when I created the group, I was very hyper-focused on the issue at hand of just men with ADHD and building a community, all that type of stuff. I didn't think about grammar much. <laughs> so I had ADHD men's support group. And then some of the educators in our in our group were like, can we please make it men's ADHD support group? And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's let's do that and 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 satisfy the 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 grammar police who I love. When I look at our our future, we had one issue with our Zoom meetings. Members of our Zoom meetings would leave the Zoom meeting saying that was amazing. I this is the first time I felt like I can be myself and take off that mask that I've been wearing all week at my nine to five corporate job. Now I wish I had some of this in person. So when we when we became a a, a five hundred one three nonprofit, our intention was to continue offering the value 
that we do in such a highly accessible way and continue our, our already successful online community. And now we're thinking about how can we have this presence in person? So right now, one of the things that Christian and, and myself are working on, we are, we are looking to build a strong chapter, in-person chapter in New York City, where members can do the same things that they do in the Zoom meetings, talk about all the difficult things that they're going through, learn how to navigate it, all that type of stuff. But the difference is you can exchange numbers with somebody who you connected with, and now you have this person that you can meet up for, with for a cup of coffee or hang out with and go play tennis or something like that. We're looking to really build a space in which members can actually build in-person friendships and connections. So we're going to be doing a lot more of that. We're going to be doing a lot more workshops, working with people like uh, yourself, Brandon, and anybody who is a different type of expert in the ADHD field. And just really, just really bringing even more value to the people who are in our community and the people who do work for ourselves. And I work with Christian on the in-person aspect. Yeah, because I was going to say, you guys just had an in-person meeting, right? Like over the weekend. That's right. So what did that look like? How'd that go? It was great. It reminded me of, oh, I got a great story on this. I'm really excited you asked about that. It reminded me of our first Zoom meeting uh, three years ago where only one, two people showed up, right? And and that exciting feeling of you're building something special and you're starting at the bottom, quote unquote. I, I get there in person. I learned a lot from it. And it was around 20, 30 minutes. No one was there. I thought no one was going to show up. I'm ready to pack my bags, get on my way out. As soon as I'm heading out, the attendees pull up <laughs> 30, 40 minutes late. And I, I learned that <laughs> in that moment, I'm like, dude, you're working with people with ADHD. You, you can't expect them to show up on time. And on top of that, too, no one shows up on time to the Zoom meetings. So throw traffic into the mix, throw weather into the mix, throw the MTA. I know Christian knows about that, right? <laughs> there's there's a lot of things that come into that. So it it was a it was a it was a reminder of the fact that I work with people with ADHD. But it was awesome. It it was it was great connecting and and I I mean we 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 got two group members who built a strong friendship from it. And I'm I'm just I'm just thankful, man. I really am. Christian, what are your thoughts on the in person stuff and where that's going to go? Given that you're the organizational guy. One of the things that I, I'm excited about seeing with what we do in New York specifically, right, is just how how many different kinds of people with ADHD, right, um, show up and like what different types of support, right? Because this is something that's in the brain. This is not something that's like relegated to age, not relegated to race, for us relegated to gender, um, but identifying gender. What I'm excited about is seeing different people support each other in a way where we may not be able to find maybe in any other place, right? With our families, not everybody's family is neurodivergent. Sometimes it's an outlier, sometimes, uh, or they deny it, right? Or sometimes at work, they don't understand because it's not incompatible. Um, but how does this student, you know, deal with their ADHD and how do they manage? Or how does this person in their um, neurotype navigate the workspace and navigate their own workflow? And I'm excited to see what that looks like in real time. And I'm excited to continue to see that grow and see what our members um, do with that. So that's what I'm excited about. Let me also add, because Christian is not flexing enough, in my opinion. I, I love working with, with Christian so much. 
one of the things that I'm a big believer in is that people with ADHD, we have to know what we're good at and what we're not good at and outsource some of those things as much as possible. Christian and Shane too, who's our organization manager, big shout out to Shane. They both love organization and structure and all that. I tend to be the the chaos, go with the flow all the time person. And, and they're like, no, we need lists. You know, Christian has this structure, amazing document that he came up for members to get feedback and all that type of stuff. So I, I really love, love Christian. He, he, he's such a gem in our community and I, I, I love his excitement and his ideas and all that type of stuff. He's definitely a large part of, of what we built here. So can I drop a little old man wisdom on you too? Please do. Cause like you guys are what in your twenties. Yeah. 31. Thirties. Yeah. Early thirties. Okay. So I'm 45. I got. I got some time on you. Both of you, I'm sure, will own your mistakes all day long. Mark saying Christian did not put himself over enough. That's where this is coming from. If we're going to own our mistakes, which you do, right? I do it too, like in a genuine, real way. If we're going to own our mistakes, sometimes effortfully, but without shame as much as possible, right? If we're going to do that, we have to own our strengths too. And so don't feel like you're doing it wrong if you're like, I'm amazing at this. This is the thing that I'm good at. Because if you're going to go, I suck at this, you may as well and really should to keep yourself balanced, say, I'm amazing at this. I, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there because Christian, you were like kind of, I felt it. I was like, I don't think he's really tooting his own horn like he should be. But I'm not sure because I just met him. <laughs> okay, so the first thing, I guess the first thing we have to understand with understanding any kind of like community, right, is like, what are the consistent pieces, right? So like making sure that at the beginning of like our stages, like making sure that it was consistent. Mark was great at that. He's even like helping other people like create alerts so they know. So that was great. But the biggest thing I felt like we we really needed at that point was data, right? So um, how do we... And this is interesting, right? Because the interesting way to how how I came to or manage the organization was like, I put in a lot of work on the front end and then I was just like inundated with a lot of things. But post surveys, um, getting, hearing from your people and making that into something that is actionable, something that you can see, something that you can direct, literally makes or breaks what you do, right? So like, even if it's like, these are the people who help us with our content because they literally say this didn't work, this did work, right? And you have to listen. And making that into data was great. And then seeing that that data still existed after I came back after three years was amazing, right? Not to say that I went anywhere. I went, I was still a participant, but it was beautiful. Being able to talk to these guys about where they are, right? Creating community with like figuring out that all three of us are nerd, uh, me, Mark and John are nerd fans, right? And they have these two degrees of separation between them and any other celebrity and like tapping into that and just like using these like, you do that and making these scroll moments and then enough of those is really just a lot of scroll moments that made this, made the, the group the group. But there is method in madness. So I think the method part, you know, I try, I try to flex the method part, but that's one part. I'm sure if I thought about it, there'd be more things, but the data I feel like is the biggest thing. Christian's amazing. And just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Men with, with ADHD, we have to acknowledge, number one, that ADHD is a big freaking deal. I'm not so good with the data and all that stuff. You can 
look up a Dr. Russell Barkley blog and and see all of the 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 issues that we have, the higher rates of car accidents, divorce, all those type of things, right? ADHD when it's unmanaged is a big deal. When we learn to navigate ADHD, we can really, really get on the other side of things, right? I'm a big believer that as people with ADHD, we can not only get by and do our thing, but we can really, really thrive with this stuff. Getting there, you're going to face some challenges throughout, right? There is finding out which medication, let me let me premise with the fact that we do not prescribe medication and none of us are doctors here, but finding medication is a challenge that it works for you, different tools, different hacks, all that type of stuff. You know, there's, there's some bumps in the road that you face when you're learning to navigate ADHD. You do not have to go through these bumps alone. There's a community out there who is willing to support you as you go through different challenges, whether it's your relationships, whether it's something at work, you owe it to yourself to give yourself a space in which you can vent, to give yourself a space in which you can be yourself And that is what we are here for. I'm committed to boosting the confidence of men with ADHD and letting every single one of you who was like me, the kid and the teen in school who had a disorganized desk and sloppy handwriting and low self-esteem didn't see himself as much. I'm committed to letting every single one of you know that you are not alone and you 1 million percent have a purpose in this world. For for men with ADHD, if you're seeing yourself as the character, the main character to your own story, you have to understand that that ADHD is your superpower, and how you see the world, specifically through your lens, is the asset to your team, is the asset to your family, is the asset to your church group, your organization, wherever you are. How you think, how you process, is important. So if you if you value it that way and if you see it that way, as opposed to something that's holding you back, as opposed to something that what other people have teased you for, what other people have thought of you as less than, that's not true. You actually have something more. You have not you don't have anything less. You have more than what the other people have. And you should treat it that way. Treat yourself like you have a superpower. Treat yourself like you have an ability that no one else has. And if you treat yourself that way, what are the awesome things you can do? You're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.